Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Warnounds, a privateer press podcast. I'm Locke, he's Caster, and today we will be talking about more lore. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Lore Nouns, episode 3. This is, is it episode 3? This is episode 3 of Lore Nouns. Yeah, cool. Okay, so, uh, before we start episode 3 of Lore Nouns, oh wait, is, is Lore Nouns really a good place to put privateer press news stuff? Wouldn't that be something we want to put on like a... Oh uh, yeah, our main one. Okay, you'll have to hold off for news for other times. I had all these plans and preparations. Curses! <laughs> well, this is the place for lore. Yeah, and um, this this episode took a little uh, long to make because um, Castro was sitting <laughs> in his chair, reading the books with some music on, and like every two minutes he'd go, oh, 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 I see now. And then and then I'd be like, what, what, what? What do you want to talk about? And so he'd, he'd start telling me or reading me something, and then we'd start discussing it. I'm like, no, we should save this kind of discussion for the podcast. And so then eventually he stopped <laughs> saying things and just making the noises I'd still. I'd sit there and go, oh, I understand. He, he literally did that. It was so annoying. <laughs> I was, I was like, I was so close to throwing, because I'm trying to paint, and he's kept making noises, and I'm like, I'm trying to focus here, and, uh, you know, I almost started throwing my paints at him. Uh, I've thrown paints at him before. Don't worry, he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, no, not usually. Those that actually <laughs> hit me. <laughs> Excuse. Okay, go on. Okay, alright, so today, we'll be talking, uh... Okay, so we've been talking so far about creation, about and gods and the gods of uh, Imran and uh, Kan specifically. Uh, Imran being the continent, Kan uh, being the entire you know world. So, what we are going to be talking about today is Orboros and the worship of Orboros, which is. Less of a worship and more of a use. We're going to be talking about Orboros and um, the elves. Nisser, the Divine Court, Skyra, all that sort of thing. What? We were going to talk about the Void, too. We were going to talk about the Void, but I'm going to save the Void for another time. I'm missing crucial uh, material in order to really flesh that out. So I don't want to get into that yet. Okay. We might touch on that when we get to Scorn's ancestral worship, but I'm not sure if I'll have that in time. So okay. we'll, we'll see on that. Um, we will be touching a little bit on um, the Void-ish. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. But yeah, it's anyways. complicated. It is. It's a lot more complicated. And the more I'm digging, the more I'm realizing I don't know, which is good. That is a good thing. Good on Privateer Press. They're, they're so, giving you just enough to keep you interested. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that you, like, over the years that I've been playing this game, you pick up snippets here and there of the lore, you read a story, you read a story over here and there, but you don't really see how they mesh together unless you're trying to keep up with all of the factions' timelines, which, good luck, there's a lot of material. And that is why you're listening to us, because that's going to be our misery to go through, and then relay that to you so you just get to enjoy the good parts. Are you going to talk um, on this podcast? You were doing all that research on the um, on the tree. Are we going to talk about him too. We will also be talking about wormwood. Yes, I was going to state that as well. We will be talking about wormwood as understanding sort of. Okay, we're going to get into a lot of circle stuff because Orbros, circle Orbros, kind of the same mesh. 
we 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 like imagined scenes from the lore in our like heads when we were talking <laughs> to each other and we were laughing so loud because we thought it was so funny we woke up the baby yeah hopefully we won't get that loud to wake him up but we do want to relate some of that to you because that's just hilarious so I, mean, I think i think it might just be us who finds it funny but okay may, well i'm sure someone out there will get a chuckle okay. this guy will definitely get an enjoyment out of it yes okay so well, one of the first things that that we've come across um especially you've come across and we've mm. discussed it a little bit is that um Arboros, as we understand it we were nidoboros is not Ogros. No. Nidoboros and Ogros, not the same. I mean, technically, our theory could still be right, as Nidoboros was described as a worm, and... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know where you want to start with that. It's complicated. Let, let me get into Orboros itself, and then we will talk about how that relates to both the circle and Nidoboros as the dragon and all of that, because the circle and dragons do kind of have a... Uh, a thing going on and not necessarily in a worshipping sort of way we'll get to it so without further ado let us begin the circle view Orboros is not simply a god to be worshipped it is not a god to be worshipped but it is not also the devourer worm you're wording that funny they, they view Orboros as the the circle does they do worship in a sense the worm but more than the worm they worship the aspect of the worm that is Oberos. they don't actually worship it well whatever no they specifically state that oh. there are those who do they they revere it they do and they use it as a source of power but not they bend it to their own will is what they do however it's a fine tightrope that they walk the druids speak of how the devourer worm ravaged dunia however here is how it is put the druids speak of how the ravaging of the the okay Dunians, my apologies, I keep saying druids, Dunians speak of how the ravaging of their goddess by the devourer worm was as if it was a single act of procreation at the dawn of time. It is ongoing, however. Every season, every storm, every drop of rain link Orbros to Dunia. Orbros is more than just the devourer worm. The seed of Orbros gives rise to every predator, and its shifting bones sunk deep into the rocks of the mountains in the world caused the ripples of earthquakes. Orbros's pumping heart blood powers the ocean's tide and the flooding of rivers swollen by rain, its tongue of lightning and fire, its breath the hurricane of wind. This is no allegory. This is literal truth. As it is written here, that is more than just the devourer worm. Orbros itself is a living, breathing, spiritual energy, a primal power upon the earth. So what it, what it sort of sounds like to me, and what they sort of say in the book, is that um, Orbros is the uh, spiritual essence of the worm. Sort of like his... His, his his spiritual essence was left with Dunia and his flesh went off to distract Maro. Correct. That is that would be a Not good Maro, Menoth. M Menoth, yes. We, we, yes. we were talking about Maro before this. Yeah. Uh Menoth and the worm must continue their eternal battle. Thus while they are link uh, in while they are in their conflict Menoth is not meddling with the affairs on Kaon, disrupting the work of the Circle, and the Devourer Worm is locked in battle and does not come back to seek to destroy everything. Okay, now keep reading. Okay, so that there is how the Circle view Orboros. Now let us go further than that. To understand the Circle, and I, there is going to be a lot of Circle here, I apologize, or you're welcome if you're a Circle enthusiast. 
To understand circle, the circle, one must grasp the nature of Orboros. Just as any man may have sev uh, several titles representing its mirrored roles, so do those beings recognized as gods hold many titles. Names have power. Each title given to a god describes one aspect of its nature. While his true name encompasses its entire essence, Orbros is not a god, but something greater. Orbros and Dunia share a special oneness as the primal fonts of creation, and their essence is tied inextricably to the world. We of the circle, this coming from, uh, my apologies, this is written by an a omnipotent, the, uh, sorry, omnipotent Lortus of the Wormwall, Watcher of Blightergast, is the one who is reading this. My apologies. His whole job is to watch Blightergast. Yes. And he also, while well, he's bored watching uh, Blightergast, is writing this down and writing down the histories of the Circle and their understanding of Orbos. I should have prefaced all this with that. I apologize. Yeah, you totally should have. Yeah, I totally should have. Now, uh, backing up just a bit there, um, Orbos and Dunia share a special oneness as the primal fonts of creation. Their es essence is tied inextricably with the world. We of the Circle do not deny the existence of the Devourer Worm. But this is only one aspect of Orboros. The devour worm is a ravenous hunger. The conscious awareness of Orboros and the embodiment of its will. There is an ancient and unending rivalry between the Devourer and Menoth, the creator of man. From time immemorable, the Devourer has embodied the wild and ravenous forces, while that of Menoth is represented order. It is said that man emerged from Menoth's shadow, and as it fell upon the still-forming waters of the world in its earliest days, humanity instinctively huddled together around the warmth of fire, building and fighting off beasts. Menoth then retreated to Urkaon to build the great city that would protect the souls devoted to him. The Devourer chased after him, and its consciousness of the living world faded. Priests of the Devourer commune with the gods of the feast, offering sacrifices and calling to its power to uh, across that divide. Well, that's not totally accurate. No, it is not. This is how the circles see it. Mm. Because... The worm went. Correct. It and retreated. Followed. Correct. We know this as uh, those are the events preceding uh, Dunia, the ravaging, and all that sort of thing. But this is very important to the understanding of Orboros as a whole. Quick question Are you just going to read that whole book? I'm not. I'm actually paraphrasing and cutting out parts that aren't necessary to what I'm trying to do here. Okay. Um, so. And this is actually very important to the circle itself. Since we're here, I may as well lay down the foundation. Is they're going to be popping up continually from here on throughout basically all of the prehistory. So they're like vegan Illuminati? <laughs> I suppose. So, <clears throat> continuing on. Those who devote themselves fully to the Devourer Worm do not understand that Orboros is still present in Kaon, not just in Urkaon. It is inextricably bound to the living world more than that of Urkaon. While the will of Orboros is in Urkaon, battling Menoth, its essence pervades our world. Menoth will never win his battle so long as the Devourer Worm is replenished from the wellsprings of power on Kaon. Orboros has no need for the souls of worshippers. It requires only the sustenance of the untamed wilds, flowering, flowing rivers, storm clouds, and the ravaging, uh, raging ocean. The circle alone can access the strength unfettered. I I really like where this is sort of is sort of heading. It it's sort of like people heard a creation myth, mm -hmm. and then it sort of 
shifted and then shifted and then shifted again and here you have the circle applying importance to themselves that is not necessarily earned or true yeah because i really don't think you know the devourer worm really cares about no vegan illuminati no it really doesn't and i don't i don't know it's 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 interesting this this is really really interesting because as 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 the lore as we know it and even what we've researched from Turok on mm-hmm. um, um basically the formation of the cricks and the dragons yeah it it's interesting how this doesn't quite line up with that correct um really really fun so I'm going to paraphrase the next section here I've been reading more closely but I'm going to start paraphrasing a little more as it breaks up a little bit here but basically what it's stating here is that the circle druids are they're touched by Orboros They, they feel its power they feel the wellsprings the ley lines in the land and they see how that is giving strength to devour worm and to Orbros as a whole. That is its arteries, its living blood is down there in the ley lines. And when the humans come along and build their cities, they clog it up, they muddy it, they choke the arteries. And as a result, the circle are always using their power not to just destroy and ravage that of civilization. They cannot. There are too few in number, but they can cull, they can shape, they can force people to expend such resources to go to places that it is not worth the effort. It, it, it sounds a lot like a bid for control of humanity. Not quite a bid for control. They can't control it. But here, it, it all leads Sorry into... We're getting new chairs, people. We're getting new chairs. Okay? Rejoice. The squeaking of the chairs annoys us, too. Um, the... Um, I threw myself off there. It's not... Okay, so it's all about the balance. They're trying have you, have to... You, have you got to that part about... Um... Dunia and, and the worm and, and renewal? Or did you skip that? That that's that's that first part that I opened with. Okay. So one well, one of the things that that it talks about is that is is that the worm he didn't just ravage Dunia once and then there be the wellspring of life. Mm, he yeah. he continue, you you totally skipped okay. that. Okay. I'm gonna go ahead and reread that because I kinda did that out of order. My apologies. Apparently I'm a little out of sorts this tonight. So, now, the circle alone can access the strength unfettered from Orboros. The Dunians speak of the ravaging of their goddess by the devourer worm as this, this was a singular act of procreation at the dawn of time. It is, in fact, ongoing. Every season, every storm, every drop of rain link Orboros to Dunia. The seed of Orbros gives rise to every predator, and its shifting bones sunk deep into the rocks and mountains of the world cause the ripples of earthquakes. Orboros's pumping heart blood powers the ocean's tide and the okay, flooding you, you of rivers. Okay, you read that. Yeah. Okay, so that, that, that's the thing. They, they see Orboros as some sort of destructive force. Primal force. Primal force. Hmm. Destructive. Yes. Um, yes. Destructive. They, they, they see him as um, he... The, the, the death of winter, basically. You know, winter brings death, and then it is revived in spring. And, yeah. and that's that's what he is. He is he is, he is the winter... At least that's what it, it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah, basically. So... The rest of humanity is obsessed with the taming of the wilds, the uh, planting of fields, the building of walls since the earliest of times. The circle were born touched by Orboros and are drawn to the strength from the wellsprings of creations, oh, the ley lines. Oh, see, the, the, uh, the members of the circle, um, at least the casters and often a lot of the druids, 
they go through something called the, the wilding, wilding, which, um, so, it, it's sort of <coughs> silly because it's like, if your child starts acting like a dog, your child might be going through the wilding, and it's like, no, sometimes kids just act like dogs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, man, so, um, what, what I find interesting about that is it, it implies that humanity, because that means that humans <coughs> become warlocks. Yes. And it implies some form of magic before humans actually got magic. Yes. Which is interesting. It's very interesting. Well, I mean, it is technically a primal magic, and that would be a link back to Dunia, who is the basically the giver of the primal magic. Correct. Well, maybe it's more the of Mulgar, the devour worm. The Mulgur, that's a name of uh, that's going to come up a lot. The Mulgur was a large group of tribes, wild people. But they weren't were, people. They, well, it wasn't just people. It was Trollkins and uh, Ogren and humans and you know all of that mixed together, Pharaoh and whatnot. But they all worshipped differently the uh, devourer worm and that of the savagery and barbaric and all that sort of thing. They had primal magic long, long, long before the twins were ever a thought. We'll get into the twins later. But yeah. um, it, it, it's, really, it's really interesting because this implies humans, all humans maybe, can pull from this primal, this primal magic, yeah. but because they seek to tame, they don't get it, which implies that the magic that they have now is somehow tainted. Possible. Which is something we can get into when we cover the twins. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it's not a primal magic. It's something else entirely. I know. Yes. Mm, almost infuriating. Infuriating? <laughs> I don't know. You, you get what I'm implying. Yes. Okay, so, <clears throat> continuing on. The circle were born touched by Ouroboros and draw strength from the wellsprings of creation. When the power awakens in the child, it is mistaken for madness or possession by evil spirits. Bark, 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 the bark, circle bark. call it the wilding. And the child hears voices on the wind or perceives lines of power thrumming through the earth that no one can else can see. So These children are often um, hunted down and killed by inquisitors. Yes. Yes, they are. Black clouds have to work really hard to find them before um, they're, you know... Destroyed. Yeah. So, continuing on much further along, it states that the circle, um, da -da -da. I lost my place, my apologies. Ultimately, the efforts of the circle are to mirror the battles of in Urkan between the Devourer Worm and the Creator Man. In watching the rise of the new cities, they witness the shifting of natural forces that are the lifeblood, or sorry, stifling of natural forces, which are the lifeblood of Orbros, the ley lines themselves. Each city built weakens Orbros and makes the Devourer's battles in Urkan more difficult. The Circle swore packs in those in the ancient times to rise uh, and to limit the rise of the cities. And this has sometimes required the culling of populations, weakening dams, toppling walls, burning of fields, all in the name of Orboros. It is a fine tightrope that is walked, for the power relies on the strength of Orb their power, the circle's power relies on the strength of Orboros, but also from its distraction. If the Devourer ever won its war against Minoth, the worm would return in full force uh, from Urkaon to topple mountains, set loose tsunamis, and erase humanity from the face of Kaon, far better to guide nature's wrath. Despite the Circle's efforts, however, civilization has long advanced quicker in pace than could ever be hindered. Though the Circle's powers are great, the numbers are too few. Notice there's little mention of actual worshipping going on, but more of an understanding of the primal energies and essences 
uh, and spiritual energies that pervade Kaon at all times that most living on it are unaware of. It sounds like a whole bunch of hubris to me. Mm, they're getting a lot of power from the hubris then. <laughs> you know, a lot like pride comes before a fall. Perhaps. To keep the devour distracted in Urkan, the circle ensure that Menoth's attention remains focused on the afterlife as well. Menoth has created a vast sprawling city amongst the wilds in Urkan to protect the souls of the dead devoted to him. An entire continent walled and shield against the wilds. And long cycles between roaming the endless wilds, the devour worm returns and besieges the city, battering its ramparts and consuming any midnight souls it can reach. It is at these times when the clash between these powers is most intense, but they pay the least attention to the fares of Kaon at this time as well. When the devour worm is beaten back into the wilds once more, Menoth often returns his case to Kaon and begins to meddle in the affairs of his priests and followers by working as we do and following old packs. We are um, his priests and followers. The circle, working as they do and following their old packs, hope to keep both Menoth and the worm concentrated on their battles. If the devourer is distracted, it pays less heed to the flow of its power on Kaon, and by consequence, is easier for the circle to control and tap energies into. <sighs> That's so, a lot to unpack. That is a lot to unpack, but it had to be unpacked. Yeah. No, I and mean, it's just, I don't know. It, it's interesting. It's very yeah. interesting. It's very, you know, you wonder how much is true, how much is just the circle making, trying to find meaning where there isn't any. It's just... It's possible. It's just interesting. Yeah. There's there's just a little bit left here, and then okay, that basically okay. this will be the end. Ultimately, the Circle realized that the delicate balance that they are walking is unsustainable. They are few against the teeming masses. Eventually, the works of mankind will clog the arteries of Orbros and sap its strength enough that the devourer will feel the devour worm will feel compelled to return. And the worm will prowl Kaon once more, bringing ruin and annihilation, obliterating man's greatest cities in a frenzy of destruction, destroying all, and eliminating the clots, obstructing the natural flows of its power. And then they state that few understand the circle's plight, and even fewer care, or feel that it's really important. That, that would be the next big event. You know, the Vower Worm comes back. Wait, there was already an event about that. It, yes, he attempted to come back, and uh, the Circle managed to send it back while the Trollbloods, um, not understanding what was going on, tried to stop them. Because there's bad blood there. Yes. Yes. Yes, there is. It's basically a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> So there's a whole lot more here. Anyone who wants to read the rest of this uh, themselves can find it in the Primal Mark II book in the first section of Circle. I apologize, I haven't cited my resources very often, but I can, I can put that down for anyone who's interested where to find all the information that I go through. But it's, it's interesting that the Circle feel that, you know, what Orboros is and its essence and all that and that they gain their power from it. But they also realize that one day shit's going to hit the fan and nothing's going to stand in the way of the Devour Worm. He's going to destroy everything. One cannot prevent the apocalypse. No, one cannot. And they realize that there's little they can do in the end. But they're going to try to control what they can while they can. And try to delay the inevitable. The vegan the vegan Illuminati. <laughs> the noon term for them, yes. Well, there is a little more information. Actually, that, that's huh? not fully accurate, is it? They probably eat meat. Yeah. 
Is there beasts? Yeah, no, yeah. they. I know they definitely do. I, I, I want to say there's an illustration of one of them actually eating a chunk of meat or a spit or something like that. Mm, I, have to, I just, I gotta come up with a good term for them. I mean, we can just keep calling them, you know, eco-terrorists, but I don't know if it works. Yeah. In their minds, they feel like they're doing the right thing. Hmm. Well, the circle also, and I, I've put the book away. This is just me, you know, condensing for you. The circle also talk about the dragons themselves. And since that was a previous episode, I felt it best to input that information here. Okay, so yeah, we, we they, they talk about the dragons. Yeah. But also, we had the theory that um, Oberos was actually Nidoboros. Correct. Which is not necessarily not true. Yeah. Um, so, um, Nidoboros does present himself as a worm. Yep. And the circle does present, you know, does believe that while his physical manifestation is not here, a part of him still remains. And the circle is made up of, of a large group of different people that came together to form the actual circle of Orboros. Yeah. And um, Nidoboros, in all of his carvings and everything, is represented as, as a circular worm eating its own tail. Yeah. So it's very possible that they saw that imagery, or one of the people of their tribes brought that, inter- that, that imagery with them when and, they when they f- codified and, the circle. And it fit. And it fit, and so they used the name Orboros. Yes, which actually also lends itself, now that I'm thinking about it, to Circle Orbros, not Circle of Orbros, Circle Orbros. It is a continual homogenous thing, and that fits very well with that imagery as well. Whether or not we're right or not, eh, who knows, but it's certainly... It's not to be entirely discredited at this time. I feel you're 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 getting you're getting a little theory craft with your lore. <laughs> Sorry. So, the circle also recognized that the dragons are not that. There's a lot of theory in amongst the circle, uh, lesser um, circle droids, that the dragons are aspects of the devourer worm, but the circle uh, higher ups realize that the omnipotence realize that that's not correct that the dragons exist outside the realm of the mortal and are actually of a greater danger more eminently speaking than the devourer worm coming back and must be watched and uh, guarded at all times all information about them that is because blight be bad Blight is bad. Anywhere that the circle go, they try and rejuvenate the wilds. But anywhere the dragons go, it corrupts the wilds around them. And so there's a constant, never-ending ending tension I, I wonder there. if the Tharn aren't some form of blighted. That I don't know. There's not a whole lot of information on the Tharn that I can dig up anywhere. I'm not sure if the lore isn't well written on them and. Well, I mean, that's not like truth. There, there isn't a lot of ancient lore on yeah, them. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, there's stuff involving them in modern times, but they don't have a lot of... How they came about, where, what what created them. We, there's a lot of theory out there, but I haven't been able to come across a whole lot of concrete information. So, I mean, you, maybe they're the one who brought, you know, Nidoboros into the whole thing, because, I mean, their ability really does sound like it could be some form of blight. It could be. It's hard to say. Um, it, it's it could be blight or it could be uh, being touched by uh, the devourer worm uh, or Orbros, as the circle would see it. Regardless, it is very fascinating. So I I just I was looking at a time. We have plenty of time to talk about the worm, but I don't think we're going to get to um, the divine court in this episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see how quickly we can get through. So one other person, entity. We, we of found note. more research. We found more stuff on um, wormwood. Yes, yes, indeed. And wormwood. Yes, I know. I'm pulling out my book for those of you who are paying attention. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Why I feel like bringing that up, but I do. Um, the oh wait, that's where I found it. Um, yeah, it was all online. You found it. Yeah. 
So, um, Wormwood is the tree that drank the blood of the first kill. Correct. And, and he, he found information on how the tree gained its ability to communicate. Yes. Here we are. So... <laughs> it, it's... It, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the, the conversations we had earlier. So, Wormwood is, as stated, it's an ancient tree, but it's also a very, very active tree. He gets around, and I'm not just talking about teleporting. He meddles in affairs. He uh, he <laughs> is constantly out there observing. He's a freaking and, tree. I mean, what else is he supposed to do? Uh, yeah. So... The f I'm just going to get into this. The, the first written records of Wormwood was him was described uh, from an oral saga made by one of the scholars in the court of Sinat. We'll get to what Sinat is later. In Ichthyr, a location we will get to later, around the year 63 BR, 6,300 years before uh, the rebellion. Uh, the book itself is called the Manus Seller Menoth. Uh, which recounts the struggle of a Menite hero, Utu Enki, against the devourer Worm, and describes the tree of fate, Wormwood, as a drinker of blood and death, emissary of the worm. So, fast forwarding here a little bit, the. I, I'm kind of crossing my timelines here, so I apologize. But we'll, we'll retouch on this later so you can kind of remember where this is coming from. After the fall of the Mulgar, which, again, group of barbaric people, uh, generally speaking, they, we'll get into that later. Are we, are we going get, to get into them after we're done covering the gods? Yes, yes. Okay. That, they're going to be one of the first things we're going to get into after the deities. Um, so, after the fall of the Mulgar and the formation of the Circle Orboros in response to the rise of priest kings. Again, get into that later, so put a pin in that. The first black-clad omnipotence sealed ominous bargains with Wormwood and the Lord of the Feast. So, you know, the Lord of the Feast is also very old. Yes, yes, is, yeah. The druids persuaded the devourer cultists to conduct sacrifices under Wormwood's branches and the tribes poured libations of blood upon the soil above its roots and hung skeletal forms on its leafless limbs. The rites culminated in a great ritual wherein thousands were bled out to give the Wormwood a worthy feast. <laughs> a single root burst forth and entwined itself around a young druid through whom the tree spoke its name, Wormwood. This rite allowed the tree of fate to communicate through a human voice and, last, and a lasting pact was forged with the Circle Orboros. Since that time in every age, one druid known as the Oathkeeper must give over life and soul to become a conduit between the Wormwood and the humans of Circle Orboros. When the time comes for the Wormwood to choose a new conduit, Circle Potents gather their freshest wilders. And the night of Garamir's feast, Wormwood casts aside the aging Oathkeeper, its life extinguished. Then its roots entwine around the selected candidate who must speak the ancient words of the Oath. Once the vow is complete, or, uh, completed, Wormwood consumes the Oathkeeper's memories and integrates its roots into the flesh. The Rood's personality lingers beyond the rite, and Wormwood's perspective is colored by the current Oathkeeper's mind. Whenever the Omnipotents are not in accord, Wormwood is allowed to offer its opinion and cast its vote by the Oathkeeper, having greater weight than all other or all of the other collective potents. We've got a tie. Bring in the tree. Yeah. 
or if they're in session and they're like, oh, we should do this. Yeah, everyone's on board. And the tree shows up and says, no. no. Then they have to obey. I just I just have this image in my mind of, of the tree. Like, like so they'll, they'll be like doing something or, you know, like, like, like they'll be focused on something. And then all of a sudden they'll just realize there's a tree standing there just ominously. And they look up and they're like, Wormwood's here. And then all of a sudden from behind. Yep. You know, Cassius pops up from nowhere. He's like, I'm here too. Yeah. Where they're standing there, don't even realize the tree has arrived and suddenly tap, tap, tap as Cassius is like using his staff to poke one of them. <laughs> they're like, holy crap, you're here. Where's the tree? Oh, God damn it. Yeah, it just, just pops in and out of place. Keep, keep reading about the tree. Okay, so another little story about the tree uh, is more closer to um, modern times. Oh, no, no, but don't, it, don't, don't. No, 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 it, it's not actually dated, so it doesn't okay. matter so much. But it, it's, I like it. So, um, a young Umbrian noble in the city of Undenspire, Lord Ulichev, Ulinchev, Word hard to pronounce. <laughs> ignored the warnings of his own priest, Menite priest, mind you, and turned his people to logging the olden world forest bordering his town. <laughs> the, 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 the priest is standing there going, No. This is a bad idea. There are things out there. Come on, dude. What, what is, you know, tell me what it is. It's a moving tree. You're an idiot. <laughs> While logging this forest, he specifically was confronted by the Oath Keeper, who warned Olnichev that his actions in the forest would spell doom for his people. Oh, Olni oh my god, I just... So Olnichev <laughs> ignored the warnings. The keeper pops up, bonks him on the head with a stick. No! <laughs> the piece is out. Basically, uh, the Oath Keeper warned him and after the third time of being ignored, the Oath Keepers, uh, of uh, Olenshev ignoring the Oath Keeper, it resulted in an earthquake that opened up the earth and swallowed him and his entire town whole, then closed. Yeah, so, so one thing we've learned is, is, is the tree is a really big fan of earthquakes. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, another incident that happens is when the Orgoth invade Imran, Wormwood and Egrov, uh, the Oath Keeper, fought alongside the Circle and defended several sacred sites. Though the Blackclad seceded most of them to the Orgoth without a fight, those the Wormwood watched over were kept free of all Orgoth influence. The tree has its particular spots. You know, it's like, no, I, I want this spot. It's really good for stunning. So, also... And we'll get into this a little later, but Wor um, Wormwood, though not confirmed by the Circle, was likely the one who spread Riplung Plague across Imran in 93 AR. <laughs> That's amazing. Tree's like, too many people. Just pops up. Somebody's backyard. Somebody gets too close. It's like... You are now sick. Go, cough on others. <laughs> do, you, do, 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 do you think it's the tree itself who did that, or do you think it was the Oath Keeper? No, it was I... just like, 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 like the tree like pops up and it's just like, uh, it's like the happening. The tree was acting out the happening. I'm gonna spread some deadly pollen. <laughs> or do you think, or maybe. do you think, or do you think the Oath Keeper walked into a bar and they're like, um, sir, you're attached to a root, and he's like, I know. <coughs> I gotta go. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so many questions. So few answers. Right? Um, there, there's a lot more I could speak of, but I don't want to talk too much because it's, it's kind of tied to... Actually, you know what? I'm going to talk about it because these are events that happen so close to modern time, you aren't even going to remember this when that happens. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about it. Because people right now are going to be... No, no, you're not going to talk about Baby what? Cassius, no. No, 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 no. Okay. The, the, whole, the whole thing with Kruger. Oh, no. Not, 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 no. No. But, but... No. All right. Well, to summarize, 
Oh, I mean, you're just, you're just... I'm talking about it. No. All right, so I, I'm going to combine a lot of this information down to the good parts. So those of you in Mark II who may remember, at one point, Kruger gets to, uh, decides to defy the omnipotence of the circle and go off basically by himself into the desert to uh, take care of... Minoth. He's like, uh, Minoth, bad Minoth. Yeah. That they're clogging up another artery out in the sands, and I need help. Mosar shows him the way and kind of helps him, but mostly it's Kruger doing it on his own, and Mosar's just like, I'm a wayfarer, I will get you there, and then I'm out. Uh, and Kruger goes there and starts destroying a massive oil refinery. And, and he's all by himself. He's he's basically by himself. He, he does have an army, but he is the only, like warlock there really and he gets in a fight with the protectorate and Fiora priestess of the protector of flame shows up and um this does not go well for Kruger asses started to start start to be kicked yes particularly his and <laughs> Fiora starts burning Kruger he like pins him down and starts actually burning him and suddenly Wormwood pops up. There's an earthquake, and out of the out of the the whole earth up comes a tree. Yes. And you know, Fiora's all for you. I was like, "What the heck's going on?" There's an earthquake. People are dying all of a sudden. And then in my mind, a slurping noise starts happening. So he shows up. The earth starts rumbling, and suddenly, Flame Guard and Warjacks are toppling over, and uh, uh, Wormwood starts feasting on the fallen and. Uh, gathers all that energy and gives it to Kruger. And in doing so, also connects him to the leyline fulcrum itself, the beating artery beneath the sand. And then goes, hey, watch this. This is my favorite trick. And creates a giant chasm to swallow up uh, like, like a whole just big lattice building. The entire refinery system and all the buildings around it are swallowed up into the earth. He's like, hey, Kruger, watch this. It's my favorite trick. <laughs> Basically. And as soon as that's done, he's just, poof, gone. Peace out. And Kruger's left there like, wait, what? And Fiora and all our forces are in such a disarray. Kruger's like, well, I'm out of here. And he leaves. And uh, so, yeah, that's... There, there's more after that, but we'll we'll get into it later. Yeah, we'll get into that later. I just I had to share that story. It's, I, it's I awesome. also want to share the fact that that um, Morvana and the tree don't get along. No, no, they do not. Oh, Mor and the Morvana like has plans and wants to do things, and the tree just shows up and goes, "No," like just keeps happening. The the old witch and and the tree have been known to um get into it. Yeah. Um, so, so if the tree's gonna go troll somebody, he's gonna go troll. Zeneva Aga. Yeah, he, like she comes up and she's like, "I'm gonna like meddle in the affairs of the circle." And Wormwood shows up and goes, "That's not a good idea," and you know not to do that. No, I think I think he just shows up and stands behind her. You know, just shows up behind her silently. She's like, "God damn it, you're back there, aren't you?" Silence. Fine, I leave. Or she's like trying to build up. Kador and humanity and the tree shows up and it's just like, I think we need a strategic earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a plague. A localized cooling right there. So, I mean, the, w without talking about what's, what it is, the, the uh, old witch is um, trying to convince Wormwood that the dragons were going to destroy everything and the outcome can uh, only be avoided by intervention and Cassius Wormwood shakes his head at her and says, "No, the plan, the seed is already planted," and disappears, <laughs> leaving her to go. What the? What? What? This, this, this tree is. Just, I love this tree. It's just like it just pops in and out. I, I, I have a, I have like this, this image of like when he leaves, like so, so the tree's standing there, all, all majestic. Then um, Cassius is like off to the side, like behind people. So, so the tree's on both sides of people, and like pe people be looking at the tree, they'll be looking at Cassius, they'll, they'll be looking at the tree, and Cassius will start talking, and, and they'll look at him, and then they'll look back at the tree because it's like oh, tree, how could you? And then so like they're looking at the tree, and Cassius is like, "We gotta go, people," and they all look at him like, "What?" And then they look back, and the tree's gone. And he's like, "Peace," and then he goes, "Yeah." 
And I, I had a mental image of them like talking it was like, okay, if the tree shows up, you look at the tree, we'll look at Cassius, no one blink. And then suddenly, like at some point, you know, they're sitting there like, come on, guys, we can do this forever. And they're, and they're, they're both looking and all of a sudden Cassius just reaches out with Steph and goes, that's not how this works. Whack and disappears. Yep. And then people are like, what? You know, the guy's like, ah, and the other guy turns around, what happened? And the dude looks back, the tree's gone. Yep. Yep. Should, should we talk about Balder? No, that that that's just our own little <laughs> headcanon. I, I was I was having I was having some some amusing. We, we were envisioning this as a form of comic centered around wormwood and shenanigans. And you know we were I was Balder in the tree. You know just yeah. like um, Kaya walks in one time and Balder's just sitting there staring at the tree and the tree's just sitting there and she's like, "Are you?" She's like, "Hey, what's up?" And he's like, "Hello." And she and he's she's like, "Are you communicating with him?" And Balder just goes, "No." Continuing to stare. She's continuing to stare at the tree. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what we're able to find out about that. Um, this is just a, a rant about us talking a little about about the lore and the rest about our own head cannons. There's, but I guess that's all what all podcasts are. Yeah, well, at the same time, there's a lot of information here where it's like, that's we know that's not exactly right, but it's interesting, but then there's some more going on here. And you gotta you got to try to think about how much is... Maybe a different For, writer worked on this than worked on the original canon, and it's it's how much is actually true, how much isn't true, how much is just accidental canon drift. Yeah, but there's still enough there that it holds it all together. I I, I guess I word that wrong. There's there's quite a bit there to hold it all together. Yeah, and I you know I wonder if it's if it's a mistake or if it's intentional ignorance you know kind of like how religions drift over mm. hundreds of years at the same time they're also writing as though it's a living people and i that's, appreciate that's, that's that. what you know that's yeah. what i'm that's what i'm talking yeah, about yeah yeah and i i really like that i really appreciate how well they've written it and, I, and there's like, so much more there than i ever realized now that we're reading it and I, getting into it i really like i really like the world building that mm. they have um like I, I was comparing this to sort of like um, it, the world in War Machine is so much bigger than we give it credit for, and we are very focused on a very sort of tight situation yeah. on what's going on right now. There are there there are other continents, there are other races, there yeah. are other gods, all this other stuff. Like we barely know anything about the giants, and then there's of course Zoo, and then I think there's another continent. It's just, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know. Yeah. And I was comparing it to sort of like um, if you do any any sort of research into um, the Game of Thrones universe, um, because the the expanded continents um, on the other side of the the grass sea and the yeah. and the Doroth, Death Rocky. Yeah, I think I can't say that word all of a sudden. <laughs> um, there, if you do any research into any of that stuff, it is super interesting, almost more interesting than the Game of Thrones story itself. Like, there's he, a lot going on over there. Yeah, he and he threw some weird stuff in there, and it's really cool. And there's that kind of stuff in in War Machine as well, and I yeah. really appreciate the lore. I like me some lore. I am kind of disappointed in current canon. No, yes, no, it's complicated. Yeah. Um, some some things that have happened recently just don't really like do it for me. Like like some some yeah. of the. Some of the old canon, some of the old stories, you know, the whole ascension and dissension of, of the twins, um, all of that stuff. That's just good. The the the, uh, the first and second uh, Thornwood Wars, I can't wait to get into those. But also, even before those more modern times, as far as uh, Iron Kingdoms is concerned, back into the old times when we're going to talk about the... Um, uh, Synod. We're going to be talking about the Mulgar. Those are also going to be super exciting. And it's it just, yeah, it's it's good stuff. I just, I'm not necessarily. I mean, I'm not saying like I'm against it. I'm just not necessarily that excited about the current canon. Yeah, and we're not. The reason why we're starting at these beginning times isn't because we're we're not as big of fans of what's currently going on although there's some really exciting things there too here and there and, and when we get to a certain point in in the timeline there will be rants there will be rants on top of rants with with a side of rants oh, I'm and sure some that'll ranch. happen between now and then too but uh, 
the um the some of this older stuff has also been lost to time a lot of war machine players don't even realize a lot of this lore exists or what it is mm. and there's a lot there and those that play iron kingdoms may know a little bit more than most but there's still a whole lot more information okay before this rant goes and and just and yeah, we're, rambling we're, we're, goes we're too long. The end of it. <laughs> okay, so um, we will be doing a. I don't. I don't know if it's going to still be a Warnown or a Lornowns episode, or or if it's going to be its own segment or anything like. I don't know, because we're going to. They have released um lore, um more lore on um, Warcaster, and we're going to be getting down and dirty with that stuff. Yes. So I don't know if this is going to be if that's going to be a different series or if it's going to be the same series. How we're going to demark that? So it's like. If somebody wants to know War Machine more, they could just listen to these podcasts. But if somebody wants to know all of it, then we'll, we'll figure. We we might have a different ticker for that, just so people can kind of pick and choose when they're you know searching through their podcast downloads. Yeah. Um. We'll we'll figure that out. And um. But it's so also super exciting. War Machine really excites us, and Warcaster really excites me. And Riot Quest is interesting. But we do have a limited amount of time, and we will get to it. It's yeah. just... There's also not a huge amount of lore, lore released. And they, they've hinted there, that they're going to come out... And they, they make all these little can, well, the comics and... They, they've hinted that they're actually going to come out with a larger piece of lore for it mm. with the Winter Wastelands. So I'm kind of holding off for that. Okay. And, and just because I wanted to put this... You know, this, this is just not necessarily related to lore... But we did manage to get in on the late subscription for oh, Warcaster. The late so pledge, yeah. we're going to get conclusion, and we're going to get the new faction, and we're not going to get any vehicles because we didn't have that much money to waste, but still. Yeah, well, we'll get the vehicles later. But we got all, we have the campaign, campaign stuff. We um, Campaign stuff, not campaign stuff. We, conclusion. Con, yeah, the conclusion. We or also conclusion? have... Conclusion? Something. It's late, we're tired. Um, <laughs> someone will correct us or screaming out there, no, it's this. But yeah, anyways, um, we're going to get all that sort of stuff. We'll talk about when we get it in, so that'll be exciting. Look forward to that. And we will have another episode out of regular Warnowns uh, probably next week. Well, I you know I go back to work tomorrow, and, and, and you're working 7 to 4s, and I'm working 4 to 11, so... Earliest would be mid next week, probably yeah. late next week. So we will be working on another episode. I already have some stuff lined up for that, but I'm also probably going to do another lore nouns episode shortly after that. Uh, maybe, maybe back to back. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of fun reading this. As soon as we get out, I, as soon, oh, we, we'll, we'll talk about that. Got to end it. End <laughs> it. We just are rambling at this point. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for coming. Thank you for continuing to listen to our really random rambles. And um, we're happy to have you here. And there's stuff and places where you can communicate. You aren't working on your communicating with Twitter. Bad you. Yeah, my resolution's already shot. Uh, mine's not, but... No, you're, you're, you're good at those. Yeah. Okay, bye. Uh, see you soon. Say goodbye. Bye. Mwah. Thank you for listening to this episode of War Nouns. Music for this podcast was provided by Prodelus. That's P-A-R-A-D-E-L-O-U-S. You can check out his YouTube channel, Prodelus, or listen to his music uh, from Bandcamp by going to prodelus.bandcamp.com.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.